We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Kaji Motojiro. Now, Crypto, you might be unfamiliar with him, but you are familiar with Yukio Mishima and Yasunari Kawabata, two very famous authors who both hold this author in high regard. So that's the caliber we're dealing with today. I don't know if it's because of what you and I are having going on in our personal lives, but this one just really spoke to me on so many different levels. Uh, I read it twice, and I I want to read it again later in my life, and I want to go back in time and give it to my younger self to see how that would change my perspective. Have you heard of something called Bungo Stray Dogs? No, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect you to. You don't usually read a lot of the manga or anime from Japan, but... Uh, we've had a couple of comments on some of our Akutagawa talks where people have talked about how Akutagawa is like a fictionalized character in this show. I guess this show takes all these famous authors, uh, people that you know, in terms of Fyodor Dostoevsky, in terms of Osamu Dezai, uh, Akutagawa, obviously. And it's like this story about like this ADA agency uh, going off topic here. But the idea is <laughs> when we look at this author here, this isn't like on the decline, right? Like when, when he was publishing, he wasn't really well known and now he's revered. Now, now there's these stories like lemon here that are studied in schools and universities. And I think it really speaks to the power and how popular Japanese literature is coming, but uh, maybe we should explore that boom goes trade hugs one day, because if you didn't know the, the character Kaji, uh, Motojiro actually uses lemon bombs in it. <laughs> <laughs> too funny, too funny. Well, I mean, we're going through this, uh, you know, the, the Japanese short story book, and I don't think we've really had a bad story yet. So I, I always enjoy, you know, branching out and the new things that you bring to the channel and to me. So I do appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, let, let's dive into this story because it is amazing. As you said, the 1924 story that we're talking about today was translated by Robert Ulmer. And in this opening line, I have this fascination with with opening paragraphs because they're, they're a chance to immediately have an author start with an exclamation point to, to grab the reader. And the way this narrator it just talks to us about how he's dying, first of all, that's kind of interesting, but it's when he compares his mood to not that of irritation, but more about the period of hangovers, like the period of where, not, not like a hangover moment, but where you have hangovers each night, he, he compares this feeling of him dying to that. And I thought that spoke a lot. I guess everybody has different experiences, but I spoke a lot to young Una when I was going through college about, you know, there's almost like this senior year, like expectation about what you're doing and drinking each night, at least for me, my, this is my experience. And you just kind of get used to it. There's this uh, feeling, this, there's the, um, uh, like, like the tolerance that builds up too. And I don't mean that just from like a tolerance of how much can you drink, but the, the emotions and then what you can actually feel, it changes when something hits you over and over again. And what a brilliant way to open a story where the main character is, is telling us that he's having this comparable feeling 
with what it's like to die. I love how this breaks the norm, and I think that this might be one of the reasons why this story and, and is so revered, is it breaks that mold of you start off with, you know, a story, decent, you know, action or whatever, and then you have the lull in the center, the sad point, the fall, the, you know, the villain is doing well, the, the antagonist is winning, and then it moves up to the climax of the story, and it has those three stages. Uh, you know, we look at any book, short story, movie, manga, whatever, it, it always seems to kind of fit that formula, and anytime you find a great story or book or, or, or novel, uh, whatever, show, a lot of times they break that mold. And I think that this this story does great is it starts you off at the very bottom and it kind of just keeps dragging you down. And there's a few little, you know, nuggets of positive, but it really just hits you in the face of this is truth. And if you can't handle it, then be prepared because this is truth. And, and I love that. Do you think when you say this is true, I mean, let's let me, let me double click on that because this author is going through author, hmm, kind of a slip of the tongue, I guess. This is this is an I novel, so I guess maybe I pictured I pictured the author a little bit too much because if you didn't know, he was dying, died at like age thirty one of tuberculosis. Um, the I novel is, is very confessional, but it's fictionalized, right? So so here's this this character going through this narrator going through this, and when he talks about walking through like the decrepit areas, like the more rundown areas of a neighborhood that attracts him more. He no longer is interested to music that used to make him happy. That's, that's not my experience, right? That's, that's an, ex that's a perspective share for me. So, so when you say something's true, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true to everyone, but it is true of, you know, when we talk about what's the human experience, there's people that you know, I think when you're born a certain way, you might look down on those that have lesser than, right? Like look down on poverty. But this is an uh, this is a character, and again, the author was you know experienced a lot of poverty growing up. Uh, well, this is a character that doesn't justify it, doesn't glorify it, but he definitely gets some strength, some comfort from going into these areas. I guess for me, it was two things. One, it's the idea that. Misery loves company. And so when he's going around seeing all these bad things, I don't know if he's trying to make himself feel better or he's just like, yep, my life sucks and that sucks too. And my life is awful and that is awful too. And he's able to make these relationships between these or he's able to draw parallels and lines. And I think the other thing that, that I took out of this was the fact that he is alone. And you, you mentioned that a little bit ab about how he is and I think it's he, it, he, it's maybe to the point of no matter who's with you and what support you have or what money you have or anything, we are all ultimately going to die alone. You're going to close your eyes and whatever happens afterwards, you are by yourself. Nobody gets to go with you, so to speak. Yeah, it's kind of like this narrator almost feels invisible to the world, the way that he's walking around. I think loneliness is the right word to use to describe that. And it makes me just kind of wonder what did this author go through? Because this is post when we knew tuberculosis was contagious. You and I just experienced a massive quarantine with COVID happening here recently that loneliness was something that I think got redefined for a lot of people in 2020. 
in terms of who you were allowed to be around, how you felt being around other people. There's tons of people that had anxiety just being around other people. And here is this narrator that's walking through the world and like, it's almost like he's alone, but you know, he's surrounded by people, you know, those are other parts of humanity, but he's like disconnected from it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that disconnect makes it so he has a hard time relating to those people because he has nothing more in common with them. And also the fact that he he doesn't want to because he feels alienated. He feels different. And there might be a little bit of resentment that he's dying and they still get to continue on with their life. Or if you don't think it maybe that way, that's the way I kind of took it because, you know, I'm a half glass kind of empty guy. <laughs> but some people could take it of um, he's jealous, you know, half glass full, uh, that he's jealous that they still have life and they still get to continue on. Mm. And yeah, they get to still enjoy the music. And after I'm dead, they're going to continue to enjoy the music past me. And they're going to still enjoy these books. And I won't get to enjoy them anymore. Um, so I, I think you could kind of take it either way in the story for how the narrator could be processing this. Well, and, and like you said, you can take it however you want. I, I don't think you've I don't think those accurately describe how I took it. And I'm not oh, really sure way. how. Well, I, he, he, let me put it this way. So this this author, and let me read a quote. I was attracted to things that had something of an impoverished beauty about them. Right? So, so welcome to Japanese literature where they tell you something. Like they tell you level one. Like I was attracted to things that had an impoverished beauty to it. So, you know, he's attracted to it. It's coming from internal. It's not coming from external. And then Japanese literature, right? You, you got the level two and the level three meanings where we have to extrapolate what that means. And it's okay if we go down different tangents, right? Right. So for me, the way I compare this is you'll notice soon he started going into these grocery stores. He started seeing beauty and fruits and vegetables. There was fireworks, right? Like the, like the narrator's drawing our attention to these things because that's what his mind is drawn to. And when we think about fruits, when we think about vegetables, I think even in the Western world, we think about rebirth. We think about growth. We think about new beginnings, right? Like there's studies that show whole foods. There's a reason why when you walk into those stores, you're first input, like you're first put through the flower section because it's supposed yeah. to make you feel <laughs> fresh. It's supposed to make you think that the, the ingredients in the store are, are of a higher quality and more fresh. Like this is psychology, right? So he's drawn to these things and even the fireworks, you know, in America, we think of freedom, right? Fourth of July. But I remember uh, my Japanese instructor, she told us that to, to the Japanese, it means, um, renewal, long life, right? And that's exactly what this guy doesn't have. He doesn't have rebirth. He doesn't have long life. He doesn't have renewal. That the way I looked at it was I had an event in my life where uh, I lost someone too young, okay? And I, I drove down downtown every day. I I've lived here in Indianapolis now for 18 years, and I drive downtown, you know, five days a week usually, and you pass all these murals and these pictures and, and whatever, like, right, like, like this is my city. This is my home. And it's when I, when I had this, you know, this loss, it's losing someone way too early, I see this picture that reminds me of something mm. with, with this individual. I've passed that dang picture every day for years. But now it for changes. For years, I have seen You're changed. This. My perspective changes, right? I, I yeah. see a different appreciation because of that traumatic event. And here's this guy. Our narrator is our eyes into this world, and he's drawing our attention to the fruits, the vegetables, the fireworks representing rebirth and renewal. And, and he sees beauty in that. 
right? And, and I don't, I don't know if I took jealousy from it. I don't know if he's thinking even externally of the other people, as you've described. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but that's kind of what I thought I heard. But to yes. me, I think he's gained a different perspective. He's looking at things differently and almost like coming to grips with his own mortality of his life ending soon. I, I definitely agree with that as well. I, I, the whole piece felt like it was a coming to a terms with with reality and mortality and what it means. What, what is life? What is death? How closely related those two are that we're all just one breath away from never being what we are now again. And I guess that brings us kind of to the, the next point of the story is when he finally goes around and he gets to a place that isn't what it was was to him, the the supermarket, but he still is trying to enjoy what he can of, of a place that was near and dear to him, and he finds that special treat. He finds the magic, and it's something as so simple as a lemon. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Well, and it's like you said, he was haunted by this place. So it's like his past, his choices, he has to face them. Right. Like what he what you read is what you sow, like what he's done in life. He's going to have to go into this this world that used to be fun, enjoyment, and now represents crushing debt. I think it was said in my translation to to take this lemon. I think there's a question in here of does the lemon grant him this happiness in this different perspective? Or is it he changes his perspective, right? It's not the lemon that did it. It's that his lemon prompted him to rethink, I guess, about his life. And I don't know if there's a specific meaning about lemon in Japanese culture. I don't know. Uh, but to me, it, it didn't matter that it was lemon. It could have been an orange, could have been a firework. Like, well, I guess a firework would have been more symbolic, but it could have been <laughs> something else. And it didn't matter. It's kind of like um, the lottery ticket, right? When a lot of people, when they buy the lottery ticket, they know they're not going to win. What they're yeah. really buying with that that two dollar five dollar lottery it's hope, ticket, right? It's like you're buying an imaginary ticket to choosing your own fate. Even for me, I I guess I read way too much into it being a lemon, uh, and because I did look up and, and know and learn about the author of his own tuberculosis issues and dying very young and being very poor growing up, and obviously this felt very very much you know like his story with a little bit of you know fantasy uh, fictionization of it but i think the lemon was very deliberate um the lemon maybe it it isn't something in japanese culture because again i don't know that either uh because i'm looking at it from my perspective of what does a lemon mean in western culture if you buy a lemon that's your car it means it's a you got a, you got ripped off it's a piece of junk it's no good you got a dud right you got a dud but in this case the lemon is magic and i kept thinking i'm like why a lemon why a lemon and for me what i kind of started grasping on is the lemon represents a lot of things about his life a lemon is rough and hard on the outside like many of us are you know trying to put on that tough exterior but soft and juicy on the inside um they can be tart on their own but sweet when mixed with other things Oh. It can encapsulate also, you know, many senses. He can feel this. He can touch this. He can smell this. He can taste this. And isn't that really what proves you're alive? Your pain? Mm. I mean, without pain and pleasure, which both can get from this because you might get pleasure from it. But if it's bitter, 
you know, or sour, you're going to do one of those faces, right? And uh, that, that shows you're still alive. And I think this gives him renewal that he is not dead yet. Maybe he's not getting the same fantasy or hope um, of, of a lotto ticket per se, but he doesn't need that. He just needs a tiny little taste. And I think that's the last thing is this is something that's so vibrant, so pungent compared to an orange or an apple or anything else. It For him, it really is the perfect fruit. And I'm glad you finally picked a story that wasn't about bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that because that 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 thing, that line of inquiry you're going in about like what happens when you mix a lemon with others reinforces that loneliness theme that we were talking about, how he isn't around others and how he seems kind of invisible to this world, uh, that it can give you that sour outlook. Now that's a beautiful kind of like a way to look at that. Um, let's talk about the ending because I, I was writing down a couple notes here and I literally just struggled with what words to use. Obviously, Motojiro, much stronger writer than I am, but I didn't want to just use his exact words or rephrase him. Because, because when we translate what we read, it goes through our own window, our own mirror that might distort things. And right. I'm curious to hear, you know, he's at this bookstore, he starts building this tower, he gets happy, he puts the lemon on top, it starts sucking out uh, the colors, I think it was, and mm-hmm. then, and then like almost like childlike runs away and I'm going to use the word fantasize. I don't know if that's the right word, but he has these visions of, of as he leaves that the lemon bomb's going to go off and he thinks about it exploding in the store. Talk to me about what that meant for you. I think it takes back to childhood wonderment. Uh, I know I've said many times on the channel before that some of my most fondest memories, some of the happiest times in my life when I was a child. Don't be wrong. I love being an adult and all the things that affords me of awesome stuff in my man cave and my beautiful wife and being able to hang out, you know, late at night. And uh, I, I love being an adult. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about being a child. And I know that we've thrown around the word like fantasy a lot and fantasize. But being a child, you have magic within you and you see the magic in the world as well. And I think that when he's close to death, he's finally realizing the most important moments of his life, and he's able to recapture a little bit of that magic back into his life with this lemon, and he's able to capture and enjoy that for one last moment, and I think he realizes how important that is to him. I think I kind of took it that way, too, and I also kind of took it as... You know, when we talk about that loneliness theme, too, like, like why would the lemon suck up the colors? And it's kind of like that how we're drawn to happiness, how happiness can override and, and make us feel better about the environment. It changes the environment the same way this lemon can suck the colors up. I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching there. But I also wondered, like, can you take it literally? Like, in this show I was talking about earlier, the Bungo Stray Dogs, like, I guess the character actually uses real lemon bombs to explode, like, <laughs> like, like as if it were real. <laughs> and th- this is a little out there. So give me this one. But let's go down this avenue and pretend that they are real. If you're dying, and and we go back to a book that we read, Fyodor Dostoevsky, he's got a very famous passage about if you know you're dying, what would stop you, or how would we stop people from doing this in society, from going and killing others right before their death? Because capital punishment's useless, 
They're not going to experience regret or remorse if they're dying in a day or two. Like, we never hear about that. People just losing it and taking from others at the end of their lives, even though there is literally no consequence, no ramification for it, right? Which is a which is a good thing. I think that's a positive message about humanity. Why well, would this a, man? That... Why would this man get so much joy from that? Almost. I've, oh man, that's deep, and I feel like there's a there are obviously many different avenues we could go down there, um, religious route, uh, but for me, I think I would go with morality. I think that when you've truly accepted death and maybe it's scary for you, maybe it's not scary for you. I don't think that you would wish that upon anybody uh, again and quote, you know, most people, I think um, they, 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 they don't want other people to have to, you know, suffer through what they've suffered to. And that gives them comfort because they know they're doing the right thing. They're allowing others to have their life and enjoy their moments because hopefully they've enjoyed their own as well. I think that's what it brings back to me. My, my kind of final thoughts on this is when you read this story, I think can be very, very important. I know that a young crypto would have glossed over many important things because I didn't have the life experience because I was still so full of life. Not that I am not now, but as we've said before on the channel as well, you and I are probably past the halfway point, right? And the 20-year-old reading this story would have a very much different um, grasp of what life is, what it's going to be, and what it can be. And now at middle age, we read it again. And I'm really excited for my older self to read this and reflect back on in my 60s or 70s or wherever, um, come back to the story one more time when I'm closer to maybe death like the narrator and the author was when they wrote this. And maybe I would feel a little bit closer and uh, I would need to find my own lemon. I think you hit the nail on the head there about the life experience, both to that last point that I mentioned and kind of your 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 summation here, that when you look at your life and you look back and you've had the opportunity to explore a lot of these things, you know, like when you are facing death and when you are facing tragedy, there's a time when I thought I was dying. <laughs> I really did thought I had a brain tumor and it made me kind of reevaluate re these things that it's all these life experiences that stack up that I hope that you can take a look at and I hope that you can make you make it you think that it made you stronger. I know it did for me. And I can't say for sure it was for will for others or that it won't, but I know it will for some because it did for me. And I, I you just can't take that away from others. So I think that's this thing this this narrator is going through. He's he's been through a lot in life. And I think, you know, from the poverty to the happiness to seeing beauty and even impoverished things, right? Something maybe a young Una couldn't do, but maybe older or closer to dying Una does. And I think that's what's great about this is not only does he get that perspective, but finally he recaptures that joy of being young and and the fantasy to me, it was a fantasy of, of the lemon bomb, almost kind of like a happiness bomb going off. Like I just loved it. It's just, it's a wonderful absolutely beautiful story easy to see why it's studied now hard to see why he wasn't famous while he was alive i'm gonna leave a playlist of other stories we've read from the oxford book of japanese short story wonderful collection uh, let us know what story you would want to see us read out of this next we're always looking for that feedback again leave an emoji like comment down below it really helps us out appreciate it my name is benuna peace